All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say, and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of Home and Commercial Services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with, for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, why didn't you sell the parts? And he was like, because I could fix them. And they were like, no, no, you're... you're you're doing it wrong. Like you just got to put new parts. And he was like, but they didn't need new parts. And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story. And I think it speaks to obviously his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at Holland hcs.com you can look up holland home and commercial services on instagram for daily tips and more or you can check out their website hollandhcs.com we have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast Lynn and Debbie Hurst, who own Hurst Towing and Recovery in Fultondale and Hayden, Alabama. They serve the Jefferson, Blunt, and surrounding counties. They tow light and heavy-duty vehicles, and they're always there to help. We wouldn't call anybody else. We would never call anybody else, and that's a fact. Would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family? The Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS, T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Or you can always call me and I'll cook for them. It's, it really, it's a it's a great way to love people. That journey started early in his beloved granny's kitchen. She was the one that, you know, was always cooking breakfast, lunch, and dinner. She was a Southern belle. She made everything taste good, and I didn't always, sorry, Mom, get that at home. <laughs> but uh, granny taught me how to cook, and 
I've never looked back from that. James is a Fox 6 Good Day Alabama monthly contributor. It's one of the honors of my life. I love cooking on TV. I love hearing the feedback. I love going in there and having people email me and ask questions. It's just, it's fun. And his peanut butter cobbler recipe was featured on the Food Network show Carnival Eats. That was kind of a big deal. I mean, it was... uh, I don't like I got paid for it, but it was a lot of exposure and it was really fun. Head over to ChefJamesKJones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. CrossFit Mophobia is owned and operated by Hayden Setzer. Hayden has a degree in exercise science and wellness with a minor in coaching. She is CrossFit Level 2 certified and Precision Nutrition Certified. CrossFit Mophobia is located at 222 Decatur Highway in Gardendale, Alabama. Email CrossFitMophobiaInfo at gmail.com or call or text 256-303-1873. Or you can look up everything she does on Facebook and Instagram. CrossFit Mophobia. Hey guys, Team Jones here. We're excited about the fun new things we're doing this fall. Our part of the Straight Out of Prison podcast is wrapped up, but we're using this platform to tell other people's straight out of prison stories. Season 8 is about Joseph, my all time favorite straight out of prison story. Our YouTube channel has added the first three seasons of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. And even if you've listened to all of them, check out the video format to see behind the scenes, pictures, and a whole lot more. And while you're there, please hit the subscribe button. It's 100% free. won't cost you anything, but it will help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience. Hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss a recipe or a podcast. On the cooking front, head over to ChefJamesKJones.com to check out what we are doing this fall as far as food goes. We'll also put all that in the show notes. Please support our sponsors. They help us provide this platform for free. And remember, you can hear their personal stories on our For Real Real platform. Thank you for your support and thanks for being a part of our story. Well, hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Straight Out of Prison podcast. My name is James K. Jones, and I'm here to tell you a straight out of prison story. And this is Haley Jones, and I've never been to prison, but I'm here to help you tell that story. Yeah, you like this new challenge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't sound so disappointed I haven't been to prison. No, it's not that. It's just, uh, I don't know. I think the irony, too, though, and I'm sure I've said this before, is that our natural personalities, Mm -hmm. if it wasn't for our experiences and upbringing and all that, I do think I'm the more likely one to go to prison than you. Well, yeah, you do things. (laughs) (laughs) Remember on our honeymoon, we went and ate at some little shack. I think we shared that story like in others. Yeah, but you were like, we're just going to take everything and take it back to the the cabin. I was like, we can't take their dishes. And you're like, yes, you can. And I was like, I'm not doing that. (laughs) And you were just like, well, we'll bring them back. And I said, oh, we're going to get arrested. (laughs) See, I think I'm more look at like, I know there's rules for a reason and I appreciate that, but sometimes I feel like, I mean, I know why you have this role, but I really just don't feel like it super needs to apply to me right now because I'm not going to be. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that's a good thing. Well, I've been saying. I've been in the restaurant business, so I understand that when you buy dishes, like it's, it's one of your biggest expenses because they're always breaking. But then you got people taking them. I mean, that's another thing altogether. Exactly. Well, this was plastic, so it wasn't going to break. Well, and it, we were going to bring it back. Number one, we didn't bring it back. <laughs> 
And number two, you didn't just do it in Florida. You do that all the time. Every With time, dishes? You, every time you go get Mexican and you bring back cheese dip, you bring their little dish well, back. That's because it's gonna <laughs> spill all over everything. Yeah, I have really good intentions. Don't make me look bad. <laughs> I'm not, but you never take them back either. Okay, so Joseph, <laughs> Joseph, let's talk about right Joseph. <laughs> no, but as far as like breaking the rules, you're definitely more of a rule breaker. Yeah. But the mindset I was in when I got in trouble was I knew I was rolling the dice. Uh-huh. And that's what we decided to do. Right. So. <laughs> All right. So let's turn our attention back to Joseph. baby's daddy. No, daddy's baby. Daddy's baby. Daddy's baby. Well, he's not daddy's baby anymore. <laughs> he's kind of got himself in a mess. So from the last episode, his brothers decided that you know, there's some, we're sick of you, we got to get rid of you. They plotted to kill him. The older brother talked him out of it. And then Judah, like the third or fourth brother, I can't remember where he is in the in the mix, but he came up with an idea. Let's just sell him and make some money. We'll sell him off into slavery. So they plotted a scheme, sold him off into slavery, and he's on his way to Egypt. All right, so he's on his way to Egypt, but not on an airplane. <laughs> no, he's in <laughs> not chains. Not for a fun little trip, but he is, yeah, chained up. That's crazy. Okay, yeah. and his dad thinks he's dead yeah so they dipped his robe in a goat's blood and pretty much you know erased his memory yeah because they didn't have forensic testing back then no no none of that okay so his dad thinks he's dead the brothers know what they did but they're ready to forget about it and that part of jacob's family is moving on with their lives but now joseph is on a whole new path a whole new journey all by himself and in many ways this part of his story reminds me of my story because okay. how so? Just being so afraid, and you don't know what's next. You don't know what you're going into. And Joseph was daddy's baby, so daddy always took care of Joseph. I was mama's baby, I was granny's baby, and I was Mima's baby. So they all took care of me. If I couldn't get what I needed from one of them, I could get it from one of the other ones. So between right. my, my granny, my mom, and my Mima, I was I was pretty spoiled, kind of like Joseph. Yeah, in that way. But and also, you know, when you would do something wrong, they would. Um, get me out of it. Yeah, get you out of it. Yeah, so I never really had any consequences. So it's not the same in that when I went to prison, I went to prison for my own crimes and what I did. Joseph was going into slavery for something he didn't do. So when he's going to Egypt, this is like a totally different country, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, it's more than just a different country. It's a totally different culture. So Egypt in this time was like the the ruling civilization of the world. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, they were like the world power. Yeah, they controlled commerce, culture. They they were they had it going on. Mm-hmm. But they were like the first, like what we would consider like a world power or superpower. Yeah, they were like the first ones of that time. And then there would be plenty of other empires that followed after they got in decline. There was Assyria that came in and took over the biggest chunk of the world for mm-hmm. for, a, for a time for a season. And then they were defeated by the Babylonian Empire, which took over the Assyrians, plus added more and more and more. So the things with these kings in those days, it was they wanted power because power equaled revenue and money and all the things. Mm -hmm. So it was just the game that they played at that time was world domination. Yeah. And it ended up creating cultures for us. You know, after Babylon, the Babylons were defeated by the Persians, and then it became the Persian Empire, which grew even more and more and more. And I think Aren't you studying something right now about the Persian Empire and your women's group? Yeah, about Queen Esther. 
Yeah. And the, those were the Persians. Yeah, she was in the she was in the Persian court. Yeah, so King she Xerxes. was in, in Babylon. But yeah, King Xerxes, which is the connection. If you guys have seen the movie Three Hundred, you're the one that told me about this. Yeah. The movie Three Hundred is when King Xerxes Xerxes. Xerxes. <laughs> Xerxes. Um, is the king, Xerxes. And he was a pretty scary guy. He was ruthless. I don't want to like get off topic too much, but that if you want to go watch that movie 300, it's a great movie and kind of neat to think that was the same king that Esther in the Bible was married to. Well, we're running down a rabbit trail, but we might as well say what that is. Okay. Well, <laughs> so the. The Persian Empire was trying to conquer the world. They wanted what is what became Greece, which at that time was Sparta, Athens, and Macedonia. And they came down and were like, hey, you know, the king from Persia sent a, a representative down to the Spartans like, hey, we're ready to take you over. You know, I got to do is submit and mm-hmm. you got to give us some of your money, but you'll be subjects of the Persian king. And they were like, no, nah, we ain't going to be doing all that. So... <laughs> They ended up going to war and aligning themselves with the Athenians and going to war. Not a not an offensive war where they were going after Persia, but just defending their land. Yeah. Very similar to what is happening right now in Ukraine with Vladimir Putin invading the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And the Ukrainian people say no, we're just we're not going to have it. They yeah. they held them off. So what ended up happening was they held them off and lost so many men. The Persians did. They finally gave up and were like, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we just let we we'll just let the Greeks be the Greeks. Yeah, but uh, that led to. Alexander the Great rising in power, and he united Alexander the Great united Athens, Macedonia, and the Spartans into what became Greece, modern day Greece, even, which then became the Greek Empire when he took everything over and he went as far as India and Egypt, and you know, he was all over the place. Yeah, so this was just a part of human history was that the people created powers. Mm-hmm. You know, modern day, if you want to look at modern day, the uh, British Empire, that was the biggest empire that's ever been in the history of Earth. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at one time, the sailors used to say the sun never sets on the British flag because they have colonies all around the world. Yeah, that's neat. And at the height of their power, the British Empire ruled over 25% of the Earth's population and 25% of the landmass of the Earth. So British Empire had it going on. Yeah, for sure. Sure. <laughs> but then and now, like, world powers would be, like, the United States and China. Mm-hmm. Uh, used to be Russia, but, you know, they're obviously in decline. But one thing interesting about the United States of America is when we had the opportunity to become imperial and, like, take over different parts of the world, we uh, we decided we didn't want to be doing all that. Oh, really? Why did we decide that? <laughs> Well, under the McKinley administration at the turn of the 20th century, we had fought the Spanish-American War, mainly because of some stuff that the Spaniards were doing in Cuba. And at the end of the war, we ended up, Cuba ended up gaining their independence. We ended up with Puerto Rico and Guam in the Pacific. And then um, there was some kind of maneuvering that went on where we purchased the Philippine Islands from them for $20 million. Because at that time, Spain was not great world power, but they were running a lot of areas. Yeah. And, um, but what ended up happening when we took over the Philippines, the people in the Philippines, the Filipinos, they didn't want to be taken over. So there was some, uh, some bloodshed and some wars and stuff that happened, you know, small time. But when the American people saw like dead bodies and people getting killed for us to be over there, we kind of backed out of that. Like we're, right. we're not, we're not doing empire games. We're trying to promote freedom. So, yeah. And I know some people would disagree with me on that. You know, they think America's bad. I don't. Compared to all the other world powers, we're still pretty uh, 
got it going on. Yeah. But back to Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> and now you feel like I'm going around the world. I know. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm very impressed by your history knowledge. I've got to admit that. Well, I'm just trying to sit. <laughs> but I'm like, my mind is trying to like follow the trail of. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's always been interesting to me, that type of stuff. But back to Egypt, Egypt was the first ones that kind of started doing that. Yeah. And it was out of really out of necessity because they were in a, the region that they were in. It was North Africa. They had the Nile River. They were had very fertile land. You know, they were able to grow crops and, and export stuff and do all kind of stuff. But somewhere early on in their founding, they figured out that other like countries were blocking trade routes, so they had to like take over certain parts, certain areas, and that's really how they became like a world power. It wasn't so much that they were trying to dominate as we're trying to keep the pipe clear so we can you know import our goods and export our goods so we can have a. A civilization that's thriving, an economy. They had, an, they needed to take care of their economy. So by the time Joseph got there, they were established. They had it going on. Yeah, they're very smart. They're doing good things. Okay, so <laughs> back to Joseph going to the new country, yeah. new culture, like you mentioned. Mm-hmm. It does really remind me. I mean, anybody I think who's like listening and has traveled sometimes yeah. even to another state. So I feel like other states do things so differently, they do. but especially if you've traveled to another country, it's just how things just feel different. They look different. Yeah. And I mean, obviously I never have been to another country unless you count prison. I keep forgetting <laughs> that. Yeah. That is another country kind of, but yeah. I remember the first time traveling, you know, abroad and to, I don't know if it was London or Bahamas. I traveled a lot as a kid. Yeah. With your parents. And, um, but I do remember thinking like everything looks different, smells different, feels yeah. different, sounds different. Mm-hmm. And I still think to this day, it's such a gift and good to, for people to realize and kids especially to realize there's more to the world than their small a bubble. Yeah. A little bubble where yeah. they live, where they go to school. And I know that's not always possible. I'm just saying like, I think our worlds need to get bigger as far as understanding that there is a bigger world out there. Yeah. I agree. So, but I can imagine that Joseph felt going into that new country. Well, now, I don't know. It just must've been a shock yeah, on many levels. Absolutely. But not to mention the slavery bit. It's not like he was traveling. But, but when you talk about traveling to another country, like on a trip with your dad, yeah, or your mom, or your parents, your family, or myself, yeah, yeah. You knew you were coming back. Mm-hmm. So with him, he was going to Egypt, but he didn't know if he was coming back. Yeah, that's like me when I headed off to prison. I didn't know if I was ever going to get out of prison. Yeah, like, this could literally be my path for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And there's, you know, I did it to myself, right? But there was another, uh, if I want to say, kindred spirit with him. That, From with you, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Just comparing the situations. I remember when I first got to, and I'm not going to rehash all this. You can go back to the podcast and listen to the, the first season mm-hmm. of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. I remember the night that I went to prison, went to Lake Butler, just realizing that nobody in my family knew where I was because that was kind of a hidden thing oh, they yeah. did. It was for security reasons. They did all that. But then even when I got to my permanent camp in Central Florida, uh, Brevard Correctional Institution. Yeah. I remember my first two or three weeks there just struggling with the fact of I'm 100% on my own. Mm-hmm. Like nobody can get to me. My mama, my daddy, my granny, my mom, nobody can um, 
I could talk to them on the phone. They could occasionally come and visit me and we could write letters. But it was just just such a scary feeling of knowing like you're you're all on your own. Yeah. You're living in D dorm, mm-hmm. <laughs> a Brevard Correctional Institution, the land of red bricks. And who knows what's coming for me here? Well, I'm, yeah, I see what you mean, likening that to Joseph because his family didn't know where he was. And moreover, he probably wondered what his dad thought or yeah. if what his brothers told his dad, if they told him what he did or if he was dead. I mean, well, I feel like he probably overheard their plot, what they were saying they were going to do. And so in a way, my experience and Joseph's experience, his experience was worse because he couldn't have a visit or write a letter or do any of the things that I got to do or have a phone call or connect to your family. Yeah. Literally, his family thought he was dead or the mm-hmm. ones he cared about, his dad and his brother, yeah. Benjamin. They literally thought he was dead. So he was kind of... He was more on his own than I was on my own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, it's a, it's a daunting thing to think about. But the first time you went to Europe to live forever, so that would have been different than taking a trip. We'll be right back. Head over to our YouTube channel for recipes, podcasts, and now we're even live streaming stuff to give you guys real glimpses into our daily lives. Yikes. You'll also be able to see the podcast behind the scenes and unedited live streams. We've added the first five seasons of the Straight Out of Prison podcast, and even if you've listened to all of them, check out the video format to see pictures, behind the scenes, and a whole lot more. And while you're there, please hit the subscribe button. It won't cost you anything, but it does help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience. Look up Chef James K. Jones on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button so you never miss a recipe or a podcast. For exclusive content, download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions, but all levels have one feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms, and they're completely free from ads. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. Yeah, and I didn't, like, it kind of evolved into that, so... But you knew at some point you were going to, to live, not in America, away from your Well, family. yeah, for sure. I mean, I when I moved to London, I was like, I'm going to stay here for a little bit, and then I was able to extend it. And then it was at the end of my London trip that I decided I want to stay over here and work. Yeah. And so I applied for jobs, got a job. So I really would say when I moved to Sweden, okay. I was like, I'm here to stay for... Indefinitely. So, what were the, like the cultural differences? I know you like everything. You adapt better than me. I do. I'm like, very adaptable, but everything is different. For one, I mean, I didn't have a car. There's a really good public transportation system. So you lived in a big city. Yeah, it's the second biggest city in Sweden, Gothenburg, home of Volvo. Shout out Volvo. Um, home of who? Volvo. Hey, Volvo. So, yeah, so number one, I didn't have a car. Number two, I mean, there's just so many things. I would say, what was it? I would say I learned when I moved to Sweden quite or quickly that everything in America is either bigger, yeah, softer, or what was the other thing? That we brush our teeth. Well, <laughs> brush their teeth. You're not talking in 
Different country. No, you said they didn't like care about if their teeth were brown. No, they brush them every night, but they don't care about like all the whitening stuff. Like we're oh, more okay. into the visual facade, how things look bright and shiny. Yeah, we want our teeth to look nice. Yeah. Well, <laughs> but they care. I mean, if their teeth are healthy and good, no cavities, and they're good, yeah. they don't need them to be bright and shiny. <laughs> okay. Did you keep your teeth bright and shiny while you're there? Yes, I did. Okay. I stood out. That's one like of your... a sore thumb, like a shiny <laughs> sore thumb. Um, Here comes that American guy with the white teeth. <laughs> No, but everything is smaller, like housing, like they live in, I mean, at that age, you know, I was in my twenties, like apartments and. But it's very, they're big on like efficiency, get it oh, done. Oh yeah. Efficiency. See, I like, like that. Lots of systems and yeah. one like challenging thing, like if you weren't doing things and this is anything, medical system, school, like money, all the things are systems for everything. Yeah. And if you're not doing thing, or if you don't fall into the system mm-hmm. in some way, then it is very difficult to like move forward or get things done. Yeah. So, um, I mean, there's systems here, but they're, you know, some people might say that they brink on socialism over there. Well, they are. So, like the healthcare system. And that stuff that like is that. the definition of socialism. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, taxes are a lot higher, but so I, I was by just, systems, you mean government systems, like the way they do things or everything? Well, for example, alcohol. Yeah. Okay. It's run by the government. And okay. it's regulated by the government. So there's stores specifically for alcohol. Mm-hmm. You can't buy alcohol just anywhere like you can here. You know, whether it be in stores or, you know, different places if you have a... Yeah, it used to be like that in Alabama up to the... Really up to the last 15, 20 years, they changed it. Yeah. You could only buy it at the ABC State Store. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's closed on holidays. It's open like bank hours to get mm-hmm. your alcohol. Yeah, I'll see um, Haley knows everything about the alcohol. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And uh, like seriously, Friday when people got paid or something, you wanted to get there before it closed. And so yeah. There was a line out the door at the Sustembalaget. That's actually the Swedish word <laughs> say for that again. Um, the Sustembalaget. <laughs> Sustembalaget. That's the alcohol store. Okay. Um, so just everything's regulated and systemized. So just things you've never seen before. Yeah. So that's kind of some of the stuff that Joseph was There's just not a lot of like fluff or extra at all. Like we're a lot more, we like all the extra here in America. I mean, I do too. We're Americans. So (laughs) there is how we do, how we do. It's almost like frowned upon to like be extra. Like you don't want to be extra. Well, what about cultural, culturally speaking? Because like when I first went to prison, I learned quick, like different like rules and things that you do or don't do like you couldn't call somebody boy even though i grew up in phoenix city where hey boy how you doing boy if you call somebody boy in prison or jail it meant that you were saying that they were somebody's girl Mm -hmm. so you have to learn okay i can't say that even though i don't mean that Mm -hmm. but it's going to start a thing or um just little things like you couldn't get in somebody's space Mm -hmm. you had to learn quick like you get people their personal space you don't get in their space yeah if you do you have troubles but you told me about um when you were first in sweden going to a party and you took Two kinds of meat off of a buffet or something. Okay, so there's and they a couple, you. Okay, there's a couple <laughs> things that come to my mind. So I'm gonna t- I'll tell you that story, but first I'll tell you the story yeah. of like you know here, especially in the South, people are super friendly. Like, hey, how are you? When you yeah. walk by, smiling. Mm-hmm. And there, if you do that, walking in the street, or like, hey, how are you? They either think, and I've several Swedes have told me this: <laughs> either you're drunk or you're crazy. Like, they don't speak. Not really. I mean, why, why would you speak to someone you don't know? <laughs> Just being nice. Uh, And yeah, so they have these, what's called fika, which is like snack. 
okay. is what you're talking about. Yeah. And they have crackers. It's usually like crackers, meat, cheese, bread, like maybe some vegetables. Like Sounds like a charcuterie board. Yes, it is. Essentially a very mini charcuterie board. Yeah. And But you have it almost every day, some kind of snack like this. So you have like a piece of bread. At lunchtime or? Usually during coffee time. So well, What fika, is coffee time? In the morning? Fika. It's called, you do fika all the time. So you do like after breakfast, like mid-morning, we fika whenever afternoon, we like evening. Okay. It's basically a time to stop, drink coffee, and eat a little snack. Okay. So, but the sandwich is like a piece of bread or a cracker, but usually a piece of bread. And you're supposed to put a meat and a vegetable or a slice of cheese and a vegetable, but never a meat and a cheese together because that's two <laughs> proteins. This is an example because that's two like proteins and those are the more expensive things yeah. that you buy. And so you shouldn't be so you doubling made, up. So you made yourself a ham so and turkey So when I was making my cheese. sandwich, I'm like, let me get my cheese and my meat and all the things. <laughs> This was kind of similar to, you know, America. I knew about not putting a piece of bread on top to keep it open. Why don't they put bread on top? I don't know. It's just not how you do it. Oh, okay. Uh, And like, well, so you'll have your bread and then you put a little butter and then if you want, you know. So, and then they have jam. So you can do cheese and a little like jam. That's fun. Yeah. So there's all like different variations that different people do. Don't they put the jam on their meatballs too? Um... Yes, they do. Lingonberry. Swedish meatballs has like jelly on them. Yeah, well, not on them. Like it's on the side. The it's like a garnish. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, my boyfriend told me at the time who turned to my turned into my fiance. Yawn. Super nice. I mean, the family is super nice. Yeah. Um, great people, but he corrected me <laughs> when I put the meat and the cheese. He's like, you know, just so you know, usually you either pick a meat or pick a cheese for each piece of bread. So maybe you can have like a piece of bread with a meat and then something and then a piece of bread with a cheese. And I was like, oh, okay. Did it hurt your feelings? <laughs> no, I mean, I didn't know. Like, did now you, I know. Did you fall into place? Did you start doing the rules? Yeah, I fall into place. I mean, normally, but sometimes I might sneak that extra piece I know, of meat. I know you're sneaking <laughs> Um, so Joseph would have encountered stuff like that and more. So he was entering, I'm trying to compare it to something from like now. Like he had lived his whole life moving around with the flocks. Mm-hmm. So they didn't have like homes and cities. They were like country people out in the country, raising the sheep, raising the goats. They didn't even live in houses. They lived in tents. Mm-hmm. So this would be, for the first 17 years of his life, this was all he knew. So he yeah. was basically like from uh, Slap Out, Alabama. I'd never been outside. <laughs> slap Out, Alabama. <laughs> there really is a Slap Out, Alabama. I've heard that recently, actually. Never been outside of the little town where all we did was, you know, do our crops and, you know, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> So he's heading into the... Well, and have dreams about everybody bowing down to him yeah. and getting a rainbow coat. <laughs> but as he's headed into Egypt, he's got a lot of barriers to overcome because Joseph's family, they were shepherds. Mm-hmm. Like all they did was take care of the goats and the, the sheeps and all the things. Yeah, we've mentioned that. <clears throat> but for the Egyptians, it was something totally different. They looked down on shepherds as being nasty. Like they're nasty. They don't shave. They're walking around with their beard and looking all... Dirty. So they didn't want them around, and they wouldn't even sit down and eat with them. Like, it was like, they treated them like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I know some people used to say about garbage man, like, oh, that's the garbage man or the undertaker. Like, you got a stigma place on you. Like Or the people- pl- plumbers, maybe. My plumbers. I don't know, because they work with... Don't say that. <laughs> okay, they work with, you know... All of the stuff. Okay, stuff. that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> 
but so not it, that I look down on plumbers. I'm I, just, I was thinking of a stink, and that's what a I'm stink. thinking. Okay, <laughs> so that that was how they looked at Hebrews, like people that come from Canaan, the area that he came from. Was those are just those nasty people that are always taking care of the goats and cleaning up sheep poop and stuff, right? So, well, they just looked at him as, as less than, like a class below or something. Yes, yeah. But then you have to look at the Egyptian culture, like it was very advanced. Like the women, you know, they took care of themselves, but even the men wore like makeup and eyeliner and they shaved every day and, Mm -hmm. you know, oiled their bodies and didn't wear shirts. And, you know, they had all this different... They oiled their bodies and didn't wear shirts. (laughs) Have you never seen a picture of a pharaoh, like one of the kings? Yeah, but I never know like what's Hollywoodified, Hollywood, you know, glamorized or whatever. No, those are like statues. Because every king, when they got buried, they would make a sarcophagus, which was their likeness on the outside of their coffin. Okay, sorry. I just got distracted by grazing bodies and (laughs) whatever you said. Go ahead. Well, actually, everybody in that area of the world at that time used oil on their body Mm because lotion hadn't been invented yet. Right. (laughs) So if you didn't want your skin to be dry in the desert, then you put oil on it. Okay. So it was not all cosmetic. We digress. Go ahead. (laughs) But for the Egyptians, it was cosmetic. They were big into their uh, image. You know, they had certain haircuts. They didn't believe in, you know, you don't grow hair on your face. Kind of like modern day. Like if you see a woman with hair under her arms, you think, oh, what's wrong with her? Don't she know how to shave? Mm -hmm. But Joseph didn't know how to shave. He didn't know how to do any of that stuff because that's not his culture. He didn't come from that. Yeah. You know, in that culture, you just let your beard grow. Yeah. It was a part of being a man was having a beard. So pulling up in Egypt, everything was going to be... His learning curve was going to be very steep. Yeah, he he would just be just like how to be. I mean, I can understand that. You yeah, know? but then add that add to that the stigma of you're a shepherd and we don't like shepherds because y'all are nasty. Mm-hmm. So he had to enter into that kind of a bustling culture, and he was a slave. So here we go. It was literally the complete opposite of everything he'd grown up in and known in his world. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like what I was saying about like him being from Slap Out, Alabama. Yeah. And living there all his life and then going into a big city like New York. Yeah. So he's going to see things that he's never saw before. I think it's more like him going into Abu Dhabi. What's Abu Dhabi? It's in India. Okay, we're not in India. I know, but that's the difference. I don't think like between Slapout, Alabama and like a totally new like culture, language, like ways of doing things, dress. I guess that's true. But why don't you do it like another city that we might know? Okay. Um, Like New York or like London or Madrid or Rome, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. Never mind. It doesn't matter. Okay. It doesn't matter. (laughs) I'm just honestly, I'm thinking of the first time when I first got out of prison, my first week in Birmingham, my friend Walter came and was like, I'm going to give you a tour of the city. And him riding me through downtown Birmingham, which compared to other cities is not that big of a city. Right, right. But to my eyes, and at that time, it was like, wow, I am, I have arrived. Right. All this. (laughs) But you got to imagine what he would see. He wouldn't have saw skyscrapers and stuff like that, but he would have saw things like the pyramids and the, Mm. Mm-hmm. The systems that they have, because the Egyptians were a very advanced culture. Um, Which is stuff that he had never seen before. Yeah. And especially them being so fancy, like especially the men, because they wore their little dresses or kilts or whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. with their jewelry and their, they put on their eyeliner. And, you know, a man had to get up and fix himself up before he got out for the day, just like women do. Yeah. So, 
how'd y'all ever get the kids to the car? I mean, I guess y'all don't have a car, but Lord have mercy. Yeah. We've got two people having to put on makeup. What's going to happen here? But, you know, it would have been, he came from an agrarian culture where everybody was working. Everything was centered around farm and work and getting things done. So then he gets over into this new land and it's, um, you know, they still did farming and stuff like that, but they had systems. Yeah. And they had classes of people. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, he didn't come from that. He probably didn't understand that. So you would have had like the upper class, the women that walked around in their little linen and lounge by the Nile. Mm-hmm. You know, and they had slaves, you know, fanning them with the palm trees. And right. all that stuff. I've seen that on TV. I hope that would be me. No, I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, I'm not kidding, but. <laughs> so that was, that was the reality of what he was entering into. And then, just real quick, I know you don't care about this stuff, but I think it's important for telling the story. Okay. <laughs> is just to say that the world was not advanced at this time. Hardly had even the races even started getting mixed. Mm-hmm. There was not a lot of stuff going on. But the Egyptians were so advanced in their culture. I want to tell you some of the stuff they invented okay. that he would have probably seen. Well, tell me. I'd be interested for in that. For the first time. You don't know me. So. <laughs> <laughs> the Egyptians invented math, like mathematics, like wow. how to count stuff. Mm-hmm. They invented geometry, you know, that studying shapes and how to, yeah. you know. Well, explain the pyramids. Yeah, well, I mean, those are, think about it now in 2022. If you stand in front of one of those pyramids in Egypt, that's still amazing. You're still yeah. awestruck. So, well, it goes together with like the math and measuring and like, yeah. you know, knowing how big. Okay, go ahead. They believed in order. They believed it was mankind's obligation and duty and purpose to bring order to an un ruly world. Interesting. So that was how they created their culture. They created surveying. They created astronomy. They created accounting. They they created paper and ink. They were the first ones to write on paper. Interesting. Uh, They created medicine. And like construction, they created the ramp. There had never been that before. The lever, like where you take something that's a thousand times heavier than you and are able to move it. They created the plow for plowing up to do agriculture, to plant stuff and grow. Hmm. They created meals for grinding grain so that you could have the grain and save it, you know, and, and not die during a famine or... <clears throat> not die. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, just to be able to save it. Right. Like, they, in, the, in those days, they would, like, grow barley and toast it and eat it. Mm-hmm. But they actually learned how to grind it so they can make bread and then you can save it. And then from the bread, when the bread molded, they learned that the, the mold on the bread was a certain kind of medicine. So they were the first ones to figure out, like, penicillin and treat, treating disease and stuff like that. They invented the 365-day-a-year calendar based on the sun. They, like, figured out the, the order of the sun. There's some real go-getters. <laughs> well, this was over thousands of years. Yeah. They were the first one to learn how to measure things, like distances. They, they could create a measurement. Medicine, medical surgery, they did the first surgeries. They learned how to set bones and put casts on and help people get healed. Um, architecture, they created a lot of stuff with architecture. And then this was gross, but it's part of what they did. But they were the first ones to, like, embalm bodies and make mummies out of them. Ugh. They were really into that. But, but there was a reason for that. It was because they were into the afterlife. Yeah. Um, they created cosmetics. So should be oh, happy that makes that. sense too, though. Yeah. yeah, I mean, for the Egyptians, there might not be no lipstick and uh, eyeshadow <laughs> stuff to put on. But of course, they were obviously most famous for their pyramids. Yeah. So, have you ever been to Egypt? No. So that's what Joseph would have saw when he got there. 
you know, all this, like, wow. And then, you know, the Nile River, it was uh, it was a pretty big deal. And it flooded every year, which made the region very fertile. They were able to, you know, plant stuff and make it grow. Mm-hmm. Um, this neat stuff. Yeah, that's a Gyps- lot. Gyps- got it going on. Uh-huh. But they also, by this time, they had created an order in their own government of classes of people and rulers and, you know, who's in charge, who's running things. Yeah. And so Joseph finds himself on a block Getting sold off into slavery. So when he got there then, so he, you know, got sold to this group or whatever that rode him into Egypt. The Ishmaelites. Okay, so he's gone into Egypt, into the city to be sold off. Yeah. So whoever bought him then, then like resold him, I guess. Well, the Ishmaelites, his brother sold him to a band of Ishmaelites that were traders. Okay. So what they did was When you say traders, does that mean they traded things or they were traders? Like, what does that mean? What do you mean? When they're traders, like, did they trade things for money or did... (laughs) Were they? Did they like you know go against somebody? Were they traitors to their own country? You know. Oh no, not traitors. They were traitors. T r a d e r s. Traitors. Okay. They they were merchants. Okay. So they would take everything that was grown in their land, which was mostly like uh, spices and incense and myrrh and different kind of balms and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. The Egyptians wanted. They would take that into Egypt. They would sell that. Mm -hmm. There really wasn't money back in those days. You you traded for stuff. So yeah. Okay. You might have got, if any kind of currency would have to be like silver, gold, or bronze. Okay. You know, it had to be something tangible. Yeah. Um, But you could trade like for grain or Egypt. The Egyptians were experts at agriculture, so they were growing all kinds of stuff. So Mm -hmm. they were exporting that, and they probably would have brought their stuff in and traded it for grain or silver or gold or, you know, whatever. Okay, so yeah, so So, they were trading him. But them bringing him in, their sole purpose in that was we bought him for 20 pieces of silver. Now we need to get him over here to Egypt and, and sell him for more than that so we can make a profit so we can get back to our land and come back again with some more yeah. incense and myrrh. All right, so Joseph found himself at an auction probably. We don't know. We, we know from like modern like U.S. history that they would put the slaves on the block, have an auction. People would come by, look at them, you know, look at their teeth. You know, see if they had muscles, if they were smart, whatever. Mm-hmm. Decide whether or not they wanted to buy them and then, you know, pull the trigger on that. Yeah. Which is, that's a horrible practice to think about. That like you could buy and sell another human being. But this was the reality of where he was. I can only imagine, like, how that could have, like, affected his, like, self-image, his confidence. You know, mm-hmm. up to this time, he'd been daddy's baby. He was arrogant. He was smart. And, you know, the Bible says he was good-looking, too. Like, he was well-built and handsome. And it doesn't really say that about many people in the Bible, but it called out Joseph as... Good-looking. He, like, people noticed him when he came in a room. I mean, but, you know, you say that, but I just, I think of times in my life and just in general, something happens like that, that we're thrown into something we didn't expect that yeah, seems chaos. horrible. But it really is so, so, I mean, I hear what I'm saying right now, but like character growing, like you, there's just so much to be like learned and Yeah, and you get that on the other it. side, but when you're in the middle of it, you don't understand all this yeah. stuff. Like yeah. your hindsight's always twenty twenty, but at the mm-hmm. time. So Joseph was bought by a man named Potiphar, and he was a captain of Pharaoh's guard, so he was a pretty big deal in, in Egyptian society. So he must have noticed his good looks, his muscles, realized he was not stupid. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. He, needed a, he needed a slave, and yeah. they were selling him, so he found one. <laughs> but Potiphar would have been a very powerful man. During mm-hmm. his time, during this time, because he was in the government, he worked for Pharaoh, and Pharaoh was uh, like a king. They called him Pharaoh, but they're actually more than a king. So Pharaoh is like the king of Egypt or the supreme ruler of mm-hmm. Egypt, and there was only one at a time, and it was a dynasty like with other kings. You know, the son would get 
be the next pharaoh, whatever. Yeah. But they had a weird uh, obsession with afterlife and death in Egypt during this Mm -hmm. time. And they believed that Pharaoh actually became a god. So he was a living god that was with them for a season. And he had come from somewhere else to be on earth for a little while, and then he was going to leave again. Mm -hmm. So that's why the elaborate uh, pyramids and stuff they would make for their burial chambers because that was going to carry them back into the afterlife. Oh, okay. Because the the Pharaoh wasn't a like a regular person like you and me. He was he was a god. Mm-hmm. So that's what they believed. Um, but Pharaoh was also it was an authoritarian dictator type of uh, government. Mm-hmm. You know, he was the final say. Whatever he said went. And, of course, he had staff and people that worked for him. Well, so he just went to a powerful guy. Or a powerful guy bought him. Yeah, so so Potiphar bought him. Potiphar worked for Pharaoh. He was uh, somebody you probably didn't want to get in his way. You don't yeah. want to mess with him. It, it, the only thing I could come up with to think, like, who was somebody when I first went to prison that was kind of like a Potiphar? Mm-hmm. And it would have been when I first got to BCI, there was a sergeant named Sergeant Klein, and he was the... How you say it? Out of all the police, he was the enforcer. He was the one you did not want to mess with. Mm-hmm. If you ever got sent to talk to... To Sergeant Klein, it was going to be at night, and it was going to be in one of the little rooms where the police hung out, and nobody else would be in there with you. And he would apparently do things to you to make you know that they were in charge. And so Sergeant Klein was somebody you did not want to mess with. Like, I never yeah. even spoke to him. I was terrified of him. <laughs> and But when I worked in the kitchen at BCI, his wife worked in the kitchen with us, so... It was always like, okay, let's be careful talking to Miss Klein because, you know, Sergeant Klein, he don't play. So, but he wasn't somebody that went out starting trouble. It was just if you got out of line, he was coming. Mm-hmm. You know, he was the enforcer, kind of like the SWAT team. You know, he, yeah. was, he was the one going to do it. So Potiphar would have been that type of figure in Egyptian culture. You know, he can be nice. He can be friendly. We can be benevol- benevolent, but don't cross Potiphar mm-hmm. because he is uh, probably ruthless. He's an enforcer because he's the captain of the guard. And, you know, just in real terms, he has the authority of, over life and death in the Egyptian culture. He can just have people taken out, just killed. Yeah, it's crazy. So he was uh, quite a figure. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he was impressed by Joseph. So he purchased him and made him a slave and then took him home. But it said that, you know, Joseph didn't... Uh, feel sorry for himself, didn't get mired down in self-pity. Like we said in the last episode, he didn't let the iron get into his soul. Mm -hmm. But the story doesn't tell a whole lot, but it just basically says that Joseph got to work and whatever Potiphar gave him to do in his house, because he was like a household slave, Joseph handled it. And Potiphar said jump, and Joseph <clears throat> said how high. <laughs> yeah. But he was he was impressed by his intelligence because he was able to 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 get results for the things he did um, by his ability to get things done. You know, he was handling business. But the most interesting part was that Potiphar recognized that God was with Joseph. So wherever Joseph went, the blessing of of God went with him. He said so. It says that Potiphar knew that. Or he recognized saw that. that. He saw that. So was he a believer, Potiphar? No, in in the Egyptian culture, they had like 50 gods. Right. So to them, Joseph's God would have been Yahweh. So you think that Potiphar just was like, well, whatever God he worships is with him and blessing him? Yeah, well, probably, I'd have to look in the original translation. It probably says that that Potiphar recognized that Yahweh was with Joseph. Okay. And Yahweh was Jacob and Abraham and Isaac's God. Yahweh was loving him some Joseph. Yeah, so wherever (laughs) Joseph went, things got better. Mm -hmm. And that... 
it kind of reminded me of when I went. If you go back to season one of Straight Out of Prison podcast, I got punished in my job during the drug program as an assistant, and I got sent to the main kitchen as a punishment. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're just going to put him in here and make him wash dishes. So they had me washing dishes for like two or three days. When I noticed the lady was having struggle and trying to cook, I went and helped her. Fast forward six weeks later, I got the run of the place. I'm running the whole kitchen. You know, they were letting me do anything and everything. Mm-hmm. And it kind of reminded me of that, like, you don't have anything else to do. You might as well get to work and work hard and make things better. <laughs> well, I've said that about you before. And even on that season you're talking about, that you do make things better. You are like that. And I really appreciate that about you. Thank you, baby. You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So wrapping this one up, I think we probably need to come to the end of this one. Eventually, Joseph worked himself into a place of prominence in Potiphar's house. And when they talk about Potiphar's house, this is not like he had a a, a double-wide trailer or even a four-bedroom two-story. It's not a 2,600-square-foot house, <laughs> No, is like the average, I guess. Apparently, from, from the text, his house was bustling. He had servants and people, had things going on. It looks like he oversaw different parts of the military and maybe even correctional facility at some point. You know whose house I think of when you say that? Who? Have you seen the movie Annie? Or I know you've seen the movie Annie, but yeah. Daddy Warbucks' house. <laughs> yeah, like stuff was going on. Yeah. Like there was a lot of activity stuff going on. But eventually, Joseph would end up being with him about 10 years, about a decade. Mm-hmm. Pretty quickly, he rose to the top of everybody else and pretty much started running everything that Potiphar had. Joseph was in charge of, he ran it. And it got to a place where it said that Potiphar didn't have to think or worry or waste any of his energy on anything that happened in his house because Joe he put Joseph in charge and he was doing a better job than he could and that the only thing he had to worry about was what he was going to eat for dinner like out of everything he had going on in his house Joseph had it all so seamlessly taken care of that the only thing he had to think about was what am I going to eat for dinner you know am I going to eat lamb or goat or you know roast beef right <laughs> yeah <laughs> But just to leave you a little teaser for the next episode, Potiphar also had a wife that was a little bit of a shady lady, <laughs> and she couldn't keep her eyes off Joseph. Mm-hmm. So I think this we'll stop with that one on this There's one. There's always got to be a catch, <laughs> yeah. as some people might say. We'll pick up on that one in the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> in the next episode. It's <laughs> just a little teaser, a little hook. For yeah. So. All right. Well, this is good. I really, really think it's so cool how you have so much context and, like, knowledge of history and stuff. It does help, like, understand. Yeah, it deepens it. Like, what it was like, you know, yeah. kind of like that we can understand in this day and where we live. Mm-hmm. So, good job, babe. Thank you, lover. (laughs) All right, guys. Have a great week. We'll see you soon. Bye. Bye.
Well, hey guys, we hope you enjoy the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co. Click the Join Forces button. We've redesigned our media kit with some exciting new details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email Haley at teamjones.co. And for exclusive content, download the Patreon app and look up Team Jones Media. You'll find many levels of subscriptions. All levels have one cool feature. You'll get early access to all of our podcast platforms and they're completely free from ads. The best way to support us is by telling your friends and family about the podcast. Other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast and giving us a review or follow us on social media. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and more. And that's too much to mention here so we'll put it all in the show notes for you. Our YouTube channel is now streaming the Straight Out of Prison podcast. And even if you've listened to every episode, check out the video format to see behind the scenes, pictures, and a whole lot more. It really makes the story come to life in a whole new way. And while you're there, hit the subscribe button. Please hit that subscribe button. It's 100% free, won't cost you anything, but it will help us reach our goals to reach a larger audience. Look up Chef James K. Jones on YouTube, hit the subscribe button so you never miss a recipe or a podcast. Please support our sponsors. They help us provide you this platform for free. Thank you for your support and thank you for being a part of our story. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed the podcast. Written and produced by the Team Jones Company. Yours truly, James and Haley Jones. If you're interested in advertising with us, head over to teamjones.co and click the Join Forces button. We've redesigned our media kit with some exciting new details. If you'd like more information about being a sponsor, email me, Haley, Haley at teamjones.co. It's not .com. The best way to support us is by telling your friends and family about the podcast. Other ways to support us is by liking and sharing the podcast and giving us a review. Well, as long as you think we did good. (laughs) Or you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and more. Thank you, thank you, thank you guys for all your support, all your encouragement, and thank you for being a part of our story. All right, guys, y'all show some love to the sponsors of the Straight Out of Prison podcast. Our friend Keely Brown runs her family-owned HVAC Home and Commercial Services. Is your system ready for the summer? Schedule a system checkup or reprogram your thermostat. They offer residential and commercial, at home or at work. They really do what they say and they say what they do. Our family serving your family has been their core value since day one. Their founder and owner, Mr. Robert Holland, made sure the foundation of home and commercial services was and is integrity. Now, remember, Haley, we, we catered an event last December where he was a part of the group that we were feeding. But it was interesting to learn that when he was a young man, when he first started in the 
HVAC business, Mr. Holland actually got in trouble with for not adding new parts that the people didn't need. And they were like, "Why didn't you sell the parts?" And he was like, "Cause they did. Cause I could fix them." And they were like, "No, no, you're you're, you're doing it wrong. Like you just got to put new parts." And he was like, "But they didn't need new parts." And it bugged him so much that he went out and started his own business. And that's the foundation of home and commercial services. And we can attest to that personally. I mean, they've done so much stuff for us. It's crazy. I love that story, and I think it speaks to. Obviously, his integrity and what he's built his business on that integrity. Right now, the most economical service they offer is their annual residential service agreement. For $150, you'll get two annual checkups, and that's for one system. If if it's an additional system, it's 25% off. Anyways, the annual contract includes priority service, normal rates for after-hour service, 10% discount on any repairs, and a 5% discount on any new installations. It's a good deal especially with the heat of the summer coming. Home and Commercial Services works on all name brands of heating and air conditioning units, gas furnaces, heat pumps, walk-in coolers, and smart thermostats. No job is too big or too small. Call or text Keely at 205-798-0635. Or you can email at office at Holland hcs.com you can look up holland home and commercial services on instagram for daily tips and more or you can check out their website hollandhcs.com we have some amazing friends and supporters of the podcast lynn and debbie hurst who own hurst towing and recovery in fultondale and hayden alabama they serve the jefferson blunt and surrounding counties they tow light and heavy duty vehicles and they're always there to help we wouldn't call anybody else we would never call anybody else and that's a fact would you like to work for an amazing company that treats their employees like family the Hearst are hiring. Full and part-time positions. Give them a call today. Hearst Towing is there 24 hours a day, seven days a week. They've been in our area since January of 1987. They have a heart to serve and they love making an impact in the communities they grew up in. The Hearst definitely make a difference in our world. And they have definitely made a difference in our lives. Dispatchers are always ready to receive calls at 205-631-8697. That is 205-631-TOWS. T-O-W-S. <laughs> you, get, you get me every time I, with the toes. <laughs> <laughs> or check out their website at hearsttowing.com. Now, y'all know James from the podcast, but he also is an amazing cook and private chef. I can attest to that personally. I've had many years of experience in food, just working in, managing, and even owning a couple restaurants. One of his greatest passions is preparing delicious food. You know, if somebody's going through something or through a hard time and you don't know what to do, you can always cook for them. Head over to chefjameskjones.com to join our email list. Once you do that, you can stay updated on everything that we're doing. 